Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In our fourth year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is going to be Season 4, Episode 229, and we're going to entitle it Journal of Art Aerial Chart. So I'm going to use the journal that I am been running with the help of volunteers from around the world now for the past five years. I'm going to use it as a good example to break down some of the things that uh, people need to know about, about journals, whether they be online or not, and, and on all various facets, guidelines, you know, uh, how we support artists, uh, what editors should and should not do, etc. It's a good way to, to, to really have an open conversation about that. But then also, I'm one of the people behind the scenes doing it as well. So it's not just about, you know, opinionating. It's about, hey, I have the actual experience of doing all this. Before I even started the journal, I w- I'd worked with other ones as you know, assistant to editors. So now this is mine as a chief and editor, aerial chart, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit more further. I had some other folks who've asked me to do the same. So I wanted to have a board uh, episode just about that. Now, it's going to be uh, different chapters as always. You know, I try to break it down. This will be six different um, sub-chapters in this particular episode. The first one is going to be literary journals online. Now, if you haven't realized already, uh, there's a big difference between an online literary journal and the print ones. The biggest difference, of course, is print journals tend to be very limited unless they have a large budget subsidized by a big institution like a college or, you know, art center or foundation or something. Otherwise, uh, they're very limited. They have to give out, you know, a free uh, issue to the, to the writers that uh, they publish. You know, probably few for review and for advertisement. So you're giving out a whole bunch of it before you can even, you know, get a subscription base and, and, and build up income. It's, it's a much, much harder task. It has been in the, in the past and it's definitely now a much more in, in, the, in the present and going into the future. I actually think in the future we will see less and less of those things because they just become very expensive. They're not very uh, efficient or, or effective in the end to sustain people's art. It's the reason why I chose the literary journal online because it has a lot of a lot of flexible factors that the print doesn't have. And one of the main ones I felt was it's not limited by the size of the print order that you have to do in order to be able to keep within your whole print budget. You can have, you know, uh, an, an issue a monthly one because I, I run a monthly one which is a lot harder than most people do uh, where you can you can have like 70 80 pieces if you want maybe 50 poetry and 10 nonfiction and you know 20 short fiction etc you could do that and not having to worry about the limit so the size is going to be different per month depending on you know who submitted it what's what's been good to your own taste and you know etc I try not to go overboard because it don't make a lot of sense to have you know, one issue with 100, another issue with 50, but, you know, you try to find some kind of a balance whenever you can, but you just don't have the same restrictions, all right, and you don't have to give somebody, you know, a, a, a silly form letter, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and it's not really the quality of your work, but we just couldn't fit you in, and blah, 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 we don't have to worry about fitting in, 
when it comes to a, a digital online journal. So that's one of the major advantages of it. The second thing I like a lot, and we're going to have a greater um, emphasis on this in uh, Chapter 3 on art picks of this episode, but is, is the artwork itself. I, I actually spent some time choosing a royalty-free art, getting things that seemed very fantastical and very colorful and definitely artistic, and, and put them in there. It, it, it fills up the, the journal to being a, a, also a visual as well as a, you know, a narrative uh, piece of work. And, of course, it's great for uh, in a marketing type of sense. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, it's the truth, uh, but... You know, yeah, people do judge things by their cover. They judge books by their cover. They judge people by their cover. They judge cars by their cover and houses by their cover. I don't know why we wouldn't think somebody wouldn't judge a, a short fiction piece or a poem by the art that it's covered. It actually helps bring people more attention. Well, that seems interesting. And in your mind, as a reader, well, maybe the work will be just as interesting. And that's the whole point of it, is to help complement the work and also maybe help illuminate it a bit. Let people see from a, a possible path. Hey, this could be something good, rather than sticking on some stereotype about I don't know about this. It's literary. It's supposed to be boring. No, you ever read stuff we have? You're not going to find anything boring. We don't believe in that. And the best writers out there don't do that. All right. So that's the that's the next thing. Now, of course, uh, one of the the favorite things I like is the fact that um, I finally get the chance to run something on my own based on my own rules. Because when you're working with other journals in, in the years past like I did, you know, you, you're stuck with maybe accepting people you don't want, you don't think is, is really going to fit. But, you know, you're not one in charge, so you have to do it. And sometimes you got to sit there fighting for the people you think is good because the, the chief editor is like, I don't know about that. So it could be a, it could be a pain in the neck. I don't have any problem listening to somebody above me if I'm in a situation that way. And even if I don't always agree with everything they're doing, I still don't have a problem with that. It's just that when, you know, it gets to become just a friend and family factor and you, half the stuff you're putting out there is because, you know, you're trying to impress somebody or you're trying to reward somebody or something like that, it, then it, you start straying away from art and you start going into, you know, politics per se. And I don't really care for that. That part I don't like because if you want to go do that, do that on your own. Don't do that with me involved because I'm not interested. I don't play those kind of games. And that's, that's one of the things I like about you know, the journal especially is that I can make sure that kind of nonsense doesn't happen. I still have volunteers from around the world that help me and I can't be any more grateful to them or, or to that type of situation because everyone understands that we're here to volunteer to keep art going and, and you know keep the writing community valid and 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 exciting and that's really the best way to doing it is not doing things where uh, somebody's reading one poem uh, one minute and then 10 minutes later reading something else going what the hell happened you know you see a drop in quality you see a drop in passion or you see a real decrease in, in talent and that's because you know you're, you're not you're not keeping a careful eye to things and you, you're making decisions that have less to do with art and more to do with just you know, patting somebody on the back or trying to be somebody's friend or trying to be popular or something. But if you know anything about art and writing, more times than not, historically, it's not something to be uh, popular, to be friendly. To, it's, it's not. It's often taking a harder task and a harder role and a harder angle on things because it's trying to bring a vision that's closer to the truth and people are willing to accept in their own lives. 
That's that's the truth, unfortunately. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So it's another exciting thing about being in charge of your own journal, and it's one of the things that we definitely do at Aerial Chart. All right. So the second subchapter here is guidelines. One of my complaints for over 30 years now, and a lot of complaints that you're going to have as well with other journals is oftentimes the guidelines are very short. Sometimes they're quite vague, and other times they're just top-heavy on all this, like, technical baloney. You know, I, I wanted in this size, in this font, double space here, uh, da-da-da there, oh my god, Oxford this and that, I mean, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm an editor, I understand that some of the guidelines have to be about trying to help accommodate the staff that are volunteering to do the work for you. It'd be wrong for you to put all kinds of crazy fonts they could barely read in, you know, or or just simply do things that are difficult. I mean, if you ever notice PDFs, they don't always hold very well, and they don't always translate very well. So I accept them, but I only accept them on the, on the rare conditions that maybe a person can't get you know, in, in contact with Word. Maybe they can't afford it. They don't have access to it. Or maybe Google Docs, they really can't do very much themselves. I mean, I get people that send me stuff from, from Internet cafes where they don't really have all the same tools that the average person has in, in the West. I try to make accommodations as much as possible, but in the end, you know, I still have to be able to read it, and I shouldn't have to be doing, you know, an hour of work to break it down and deformat it and everything else. All right, so... Those kind of guidelines, for the most part, they're not really helpful to the to the writer. They're just more helpful to the staff. It has to be some kind of balance over there. It has to make some kind of sense. The, the guidelines can't be all about me and the staff. To me, I, I see a lot like that. I, I disapprove of that. I just don't like that at all. It, it doesn't feel artistic with me. I understand if you want to reduce the workload, fine, you should, because you do have volunteers, you're not paying them, you don't want to get carried away. I got that, I'm, I'm all for that, okay? But it, it shouldn't be about, you know, I'm trying to spare every bit of the work I could possibly can on a regular basis, because if you want to be an editor, you want to be the, uh, having this title, you want to get something out that's good, well, it's going to take a little of your time. It's going to take some work, all right? I had a lot of people that, that turned me down on on helping to be editor or assistant editor here for a year or two. Oh, it'll cut into my uh, my own writing. So, yeah, it does. It does cut into your own stuff. I agree. I took it on mainly because I've had such a long, long history of writing it and such a huge amount that's been written that, uh, to me, it doesn't feel like I'm taking as much. I could work on bigger projects and still do all this and feel comfortable. And that works for me. I understand why other people don't do that. I still think it's good, insightful experience for a writer to be able to see other people's writing for at least a year. It helped inspire them, help them to see what's going on. Maybe help help answer them some internal artistic questions they might have by seeing all this and being involved in it. But some folks don't want to do that. They just know I'm you know, I stick to my own stuff and that's fine. I'm not gonna make any judgments on anybody about that. That is your prerogative. Don't get me wrong. But if you do want to do it, it does take some work. It does take saving your time. And you got to sometimes deal with, you know, sometimes people who could be a bit cranky and rude. I mean, it's just the way it is. Any kind of people business, and that's what the writing is, you know, you're going to be dealing with people that are not always uh, going to be kind. They're not always going to be understandable. They're not always going to be rational. 
and they might be so passionate that they push themselves off the edge of things. That's the writing world. It happens. That has happened to us plenty of times, and we'll talk about that later. But nevertheless, I wanted to put together guidelines that really covered a lot of the things that I was concerned about, and that would be helpful. So we got guidelines about, you know, try to be limited on how many formats you send us. You know, try to stick to Word or Google Docs if you can. You know, it's, you know and if you have to send it inside an email, which is I'm okay with, that's fine too. It's easy for us to cut and paste that and then reconvert it back to what we need to. That's all right too. I don't have a problem with any of that. Of course, we're really, um, really concerned about trying to make sure that people send us writing that has a perspective, has an edge, has a point of view. It's not something that sounds like it came out of Hallmark or, or something that you're going to fall asleep with. I had somebody some time, one time, they sent me a, a short fiction piece about driving in their family in a vehicle down the road or something. I don't really know how you make that interesting and exciting. Unless there's something grim and weird going on there, it it doesn't really do anything for anybody, you know. So you, you, this is art we're doing here. This is not you can't be pedestrian. We're not writing for, you know, better homes and gardens. Okay, this is definitely not some kind of hallmark thing. You know, you have to have some kind of edge, some kind of perspective, something that you're bringing new to to the reader. And I'm telling you right now, I, I don't discourage anybody that wants to write about their family. Bring something new to it. Let it have some gravity and have some weight and have some impact. Then that's fine. But if it's just, you know, my grandmother has a disease that, you know, they can't pronounce and there's not a lot of funding for it, but, you know, she was really good at making cookies for us and now she's in heaven. I don't, I don't make fun of these sort of things, but from an artistic standpoint, from an editor standpoint, we've seen it all before plenty of times. We've heard all of that already. So the whole point of being a writer is to bring something fresh and new as possible, at least a new angle to something that might be old. You're not going to get much old that, you know, talking about, you know, your relatives in this old vehicle driving in some country road. You're not really going to get anything out of that. And I think sometimes, and this is what we try to encourage with Aerial Chart more than other journals do, is I want to see someone taking a risk. I want to see something a little edgier. I want to see something that, that's that's candid and in, in, in your face. I think that's important. I think it's also important as a writer when they do these sort of things because you don't really grow on any realm in your life, whether it's work or writing or anything, you know, if you're not taking a chance, if you're not stretching out something, you know, if it's not a bit painful and a bit uncomfortable, you're not really gaining anything then because you're not really risking anything. So I happen to think that's important, particularly in writing. Why, why not? And the people that do that, they tend to wind up getting work that's really interesting and, and, and powerful. Not just work that is obeying a, a rhyme scheme or, you know, structured well. Or oh, my favorite kinds. You know, um, this really has good grammar in it. And punctuation that's all wonderful but i would take a strong passionate risky piece that's a bit sloppy in structure and otherwise versus something that looks technically great but it winds up becoming heartless and, and soulless it's it's laying it's laying there on my computer screen dead i can't bring it back to life 
No artwork can help. No rearranging can help. Only you investing in yourself in there can it help. And you, so you got a lot of folks that don't do that. So it's one of the things I'm really happy about Aero Charters. We help bring that out more and become a real venue for people who want to do that. Because there's plenty of journals out there that don't want to do that. You know, they, they just want to, you know, some cutesy suburban uh, lifestyle type of thing. You know, and, and God forbid um, they talk about anything that's meaningful or useful. Not really helpful, in my opinion, and those are kind of things I don't really care for very much. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I'll, I'll certainly mention again. We have a better, um, better expanded version in the next uh, chapter. But you know, artwork. I don't accept other people's art picks or artworks or their own nothing. You know, we already had a couple of journals uh, literally have sued from people who submitted stuff freely. And they changed their mind, and then was a problem, and the next thing you know, they're getting sued. One time, they, uh, a journal got sued because they wind up pairing the artwork that the artist had, had given to them uh, per, per, per fee. They signed the contract and took the fee because they didn't like the political context that it was in, even though they have a contract. I mean, it's just not worth even fighting over. You wanted to give it back to them, now you lost the money. Because you go to court, yeah, you, you probably win after you're spending a couple thousand dollars. That don't make any sense. So I, I just I don't deal with any of that. All the all the artwork is royalty free, and we'll talk more about that on the next on the next chapter. But we we keep it that way because it's it, it's legally safe for us, and of course, you know, in the end, I think that we can get more interesting artwork from the royalty free section than from people snapping a couple photos here and there. Not to mention, I mean. How useful can it be if someone's giving you a picture of themselves in in, 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 the, in a poem? We're not all going to write stuff that happens to be, you know, a photo is going to help with it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense artistically. So it's just better to discourage that sort of thing. If that makes some kind of sense to you. We're pretty good about getting back to people quickly, usually within the month, sometimes sooner. We've had a few mishaps here and there. You know, people not observing things. Every so often I have a system that it, it'll shoot over to spam. I won't even see it for a month or two because I don't really check the spam all that often. I have it set on to where it won't erase for six months. So this way, you know, if I check it later on, I might find something. It might be late, but hey. But I'm not a, I'm not a spam nut that's checking it every day like, you know, the world's going to end. I'm not, I've had enough regular email to be dealing with rather than dealing with spam, too. But we're pretty good about that. And we're faster than most of the journals out there. There's not too many that is, that is fast as us. You can probably put you a handful of ones out there that, that are four weeks or less. So we're, we're pretty good about that. Also, one of the biggest features of, of Aerial Chart, and I really stress this when I put this together, and I told anybody recruited to volunteer as editors to help me, that if you have to reject somebody, you're going to give them a little notice about why. Maybe even a little tip, some information, something. I don't like to do these soulless form letter things. I, I don't even think that's a, 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 you're doing a, a job as an editor when you're doing that. And to me, I, I, just, I just find it disgusting. I, don't, I won't deal with it. We'll talk about that, about being an editor down a few more chapters from now. But we don't do that. Now, don't get me wrong, if we have an editor, including myself, that rejects all four pieces, I'm not really going to be sitting there writing to you about, you know, every single one I rejected. I'll give you a general idea of a couple I feel that 
can use some fixing and some other ideas and something like that. I try to do something like that. I try to be helpful and instructive. That's what editors are supposed to do. Okay, they're not supposed to be there trying to evade every bit of work they can, and then at the end evade every bit of responsibility they can. I don't know if that's a new age thing or this generation or what the hell it is. I really don't know, but I definitely do not approve of any of that. You're the editor. You know a lot. You have a history of writing and being published. You you know what irks you about something. Well, say it. Say it. It's not always about grammar and, and word uses. Sometimes the content just doesn't fit you, you know? I tell people all the time in the guidelines, I'm not afraid of sexuality, but please don't send me anything graphic. I got I got a piece one time where the, the guy was having sex with everything that didn't move. I'm like, what the hell is this? We're still dealing with art over here. If you want to be a little bit erotic, if you want to be a little bit, you know, risque and romantic or edgy, I'm okay with that, but don't get carried away. We don't need all that graphic nonsense. We're going to get that stuff from HBO and, and the news and movies and books, and we don't need that into an art journal, okay? I'm not saying it should be void of sexuality because mine isn't. We publish work from gay people and straight people, transgender people. It doesn't matter. Just have a little taste and, and have a little spirit and be artistic. Don't get carried away. Other places might do this, and they think it's cool. That's great for them. I'm not going to put them down. I'm just telling you, it's definitely not for me. It's just not for us. Alrighty. Now, next chapter over here, we're going to be talking about our picks. Okay? We spend a, a great deal of time. I have a few editors that sometimes they'll pick something out for me. Other times I pick out something. In many cases, and you'd be surprised to hear this, I already picked out art months before the poem or the short fiction or whatever even arrived. But I can't find anything to fit with at that time. So I'll put it in a little file. Every month when I get new stuff, I'll see if any one of those things might be working with that. Sometimes it does. Other times I have to put in the effort to go find something new. But I'm trying to find something that's interesting and edgy and colorful. You know? Sometimes it's a little magical or mysterious. Sometimes it's a little romantic and sexy. You know, sometimes it's really gruff and grim. But I, I wanted to have that that real gloss to it, that real strong edge to it. And, and I, like I mentioned earlier in the show, it's, it, it helps the marketing of the magazine. It helps the marketing of the piece that it's next to. It opens people's minds to the stuff they're reading about. Now, we do our best to try to be arty and interesting. We try to whatever we can to do to, to, to match things. But it's not always going to be a match. Sometimes people write things in such an esoteric or a weird tangent or, or even even a slightly vague way that you, you can't find a match to something like that. You just have to try the best you can to maybe focus on an element of something that's in that. And bring that out into the picture. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's going to be hit and miss. I'm a writer. I'm not an artist. You know, so we, we do our best, though. We really take the time to try to put something in there as good. Incredibly enough, I actually had a few complaints. So I had to modify that to remind people that, listen, we are volunteers. We are doing our very best to give you art that me that's meaningful, that's interesting, that's artistic. And for some reason, if you don't like it, then I'm just going to withdraw the whole piece then. You're free to send me something else if you like. 
maybe you have two or three other pieces with me anyway, and it's not a big deal, but I'm not going to go switch around some art musical chairs over here or something. I'm not going to be doing extra work just because you think you see something or something that doesn't fit well with you. You have a right to those feelings, so don't get me wrong. But I also have a right to not have to double and triple my work for your feelings, okay? You, you take a chance every time you sit down to write something. And you take a chance every time you send it out to people. And you take a chance that if they do accept it, they're going to pair it with whatever they think is best. The whole line of what you're doing is risking, gambling, taking a chance, okay? It's not going to be some perfect science thing, all right? And maybe, you know, deep down you're like, that's probably not the best picture I would have with it, but I'll, I'll go with it. It's good for me to get this out there. I feel strong about this work. The world is not going to end. I'm okay. I've only had a few that that's given me a problem. I have yet to turn down somebody, but this is what I'm going to have to do because I really can't go on listening to emails about, you know, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to have to, though. I don't really have a choice because I can't really be wasting that kind of time on, on that, you know? I'm not going to discount your feelings or whatever whatever you happen to be thinking. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm a writer just as much as you are. I understand how those things can be. You're going to have to be a grown-up then and take the chance that I might tell you bye. And then you just go about your business. Okay? We communicate a lot with writers. Much, 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 much more than any journal you're going to find. Most journals... You, you can't even have a conversation with them even after they accept you. And you're certainly not going to be able to tell them, try this art, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. No one's going to be listening to you. And you make them mad, they, they might just tell you that the heck with you. At least I'm saying that up front. Okay? So, we'll be modifying our rules here. Come for February to, to reflect that. That's just the only way I can do things. I never thought I'd have problems with art with selections. I went for years without listening to anyone say anything negative. But I don't know if it's COVID or people a little bit more sheltered inside or they're just a little more emotional, a little more stressed out. I don't really know. I, I honestly don't. But what I do know is that I can't be running around doing something like that. You know, Part of the edit is, is that you have to respect some of the things we do. You know, I've had people ask me, I, I want this printed in this font and this size. I'm like, no. We do it in the same font and the same size that I've done since I started the magazines for five years. Every single piece is set up that way. They all are. You can look down the line. If you don't believe me, you'll see it. So, there's certain things that make the magazine what it is. It makes it separate and distinct from something else that's out there. And that's what I'm trying to do because, you know... It's, it's our baby, and it's something that we love, and we just still think it's a great vehicle to support artists and art. Okay? All right. So chapter four over here is support of artists. Now, we are, I feel, a huge, huge factor in, in writing in the community and art in general. In fact... We probably publish more newer writers, some of the writers that have never even been published before, than most magazines do. I'm not trying to get everybody on board Aerial Chart, you know, that, that are on the verge of, of winning the Pulitzer or the, or the Nobel Prize for Poetry or something. I'm not trying to do that. You might see, 
you know, some real difference in, I guess you could say, uh, maybe passion or possibly even deeper involvement in one piece versus another. And you might be able to tell this person is newer. You'll look at the bio and go, oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to give people a chance if I, if I think it's still worthy and it's still publishable. I'm going to do that. And I'll put it next to somebody who's been writing for 20, 30 years. Oh, well. This can't be a, some old guys and some old girls club of just writers who've been around for a long time and we're just doing this all the time. It can't be that way. I don't want to do that. Never wanted to do that before, and I definitely don't want to do that now. So that's a real good, I think, chance for writers to get them published. More, a lot of magazines, they don't publish anywhere between 2 and 5% of everything they get. Everything is called bad names like slush piles. I don't believe in that, even using that word. It's, it's stupid and lazy and, quite frankly, disrespectful. On any given month, if you average it out, we publish anywhere between maybe 35 to 50% of the stuff that we receive. So that's pretty good for most people. I'm looking for ways for people to be published. And oftentimes, if I have a comment about something, it might not be a rejection in terms of no. It might be just simply, listen, why don't you try and look at this, try to fix this line or two, and, and this title is just completely horrible. And come back to me. You got some that get offended, you never hear from them again. They just think they know everything, and they're going to keep getting rejected now for the next 20 or 30 times as well. Fine. It's up to them. We live by the choices we make. We see it don't work well, you make some different choices then, okay? That's just being a, a big boy and a big girl in, in the big world, all right? But you'd be surprised at how many people come back and say, Da, 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 and they fixed it. It's even better than it was before. The title makes some sense. And I'll pick it up. So, unlike a lot of magazines that either have a yes or no, I mean, we also have a maybe as well. And I don't mean maybe in the, in the sense that, you know, if you do all these things I'm saying, I'm going to publish you. Because it still has to be that you've raised the quality of the piece and you've addressed what we've talked about. But i found more times than not they do. And yeah, I'm going to publish them, and I do. So it's it's not a hard thing to do. Again, it's about being an editor, not just having a title and you know running away from everything and sending form letters out. It's not very human. This is art. Art comes from humans. So it doesn't make any sense how people can be inhuman but think they're doing something about art. you got to be worried about those people. You really do. All right, and also, of course, it's important in our support of artists that they get something psychological, if not just creative boosting out of that. Not just about patting the resume, but also about, you know, I needed that this week or this month. I get lots of emails. I needed that boost. I've been having a rough time. And I'm, I'm not making light of this, but I've had... And I'm counting now five emails from artists. Of course, their their names will, will not be mentioned. That mentioned uh, you know, issues strongly with mental health, and in some cases where they felt they were on the edge of, you know, suicide. And an acceptance and and some commentary and hearing from somebody helped them come back from that edge to now take a little bit more serious what they're doing. So literally, you can accept somebody. 
you know, and you, you might like more than their day, you might be making their life. You know, it's amazing that that can happen that way, but some people, you know, they're, they're dealing with these uh, mental health issues. They're not something to, to play around with. And when that's the case, we need to try to take that seriously as well. I think 40% at least of the writing artistic community has some of these issues, are dealing with some form of, of depression, some form of writer's block, some form of just complete withdrawal. I'm sure COVID-19 hasn't helped that matter very much. Probably uh, made it a little bit worse. But those folks are out there. So every time you're accepting somebody, you don't know if you're really helping somebody change their view on things. Give them a boost of energy they didn't have before, a ray of hope. You know? So I wanted to mention that as well, because sometimes supporting artists is, is really supporting people and people who are who are fighting to get their voice out there, to get their story out there. And that's what we're doing as well, because that's really what art should be about. All right, editors, subchapter five. We've mentioned this a little bit throughout the show already, but I'll put it in a much more harsher manner. So many of these editors are not editors. They just don't seem to be interested in doing the job as an editor. And here are the three things that you're supposed to be doing as an editor, okay? You're supposed to be caring about the writers. And in caring meaning that you're not giving them some bogus excuse about it didn't fit in, we ran out of room, this, that, whatever. You don't send them some form letters, you have something to say. If there's something that really is fixable there, or something you think that could be useful to them, you should share it. It doesn't take much time. But I really think a word should be should be mentioned. I don't see how somebody can be an editor, in my opinion, without that. Why call yourself that then? Because if you're not doing that kind of work, then you're not really an editor. You, you, you're just a half-assed adjudicator, you know? Just some back-alley judge. What the hell is that doing? Hmm? Well, maybe that worked out in the Wild West or just hanging people here and there, but, you know... In the modern world, we're expecting more from an editor than just some Roman thumbs up, thumbs down without any 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 other information. I heard from people in the, in the you know behind the scenes that say you know I'd love to hear about why they like the piece. You know, and I, I'm not trying to be cynical, and I'm certainly not trying to be negative about it. But you know, a few times I replied, hey. Maybe you just have to take the the win that you you know you get into the magazine you go on ahead because you know if they don't really have the courage to write you when they want to reject you they, why are they going to have the time or the patience to write you when they accept you they're going to just simply think hey, I already gave you the acceptance what the hell else do you want that's how a lot of them think I try to say something when I accept people as well all right. Sound like a paragraph or something, but I try to mention something that, you know, is useful and insightful and why we, we're taking it. And I like doing that because sometimes those are the very reasons why I took the piece in the first place. We had a we had a, a recent piece, it's a poem by one of our regulars, been with us from the very beginning. Her name is uh, Linda Imbler, and she had a poem called My Crowded Bed. I believe that's the exact title. And I just 
I was taken back by it. I, the concept was incredible. You know, it almost seemed like a movie inside a poem. It was cinematic. It was just visual. I mean, it, it's one of those poems you walk away and you think about it. Wow, the ghosts of other people that before you. And I don't mean ghosts like in a ghost story. I mean just the ghosts of the people in your mind or the experiences you had with other people over the years. They could be family, strangers, friends, whatever. How sometimes you have one of those days and you wind up carrying those thoughts and memories with you. Maybe that's how bad dreams or dreams in general or nightmares or whatever you want to call them. Maybe that's how they form because we go to bed with some of those unconscious thinking and feelings that we had during the day and now we bring them to bed and it just becomes a big old paranormal battle, so to speak, in our brains or maybe even in our souls. I don't know, I might be mis uh, misinterpreting that, the, the poem, but this is what I got from it. And remember, many a times, it doesn't really matter what the person originally intended. If you get something different and you're hanging on to it and it just makes you feel interesting and powerful and important and you're just happy with it well then that that's your that's your reality who's to say that you're you're, you're wrong that's what i got out of it and i thought wow this is one of those poems you don't get too many of them but when you do it's like man that's what even a small poem can do everything perfect about it even the title just makes so much sense so you want to be able to reply back to somebody like that hey this is wow this this poem's about haunting. I, I'm I'm being friggin' haunted right now. Okay, I'm sitting down in the morning with some cereal and I'm thinking about your poem. <laughs> so that's 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 how you have good work. That's and that's what the best writers, or at least the writers that come up with some of the best work, sometimes that's what they're able to do. Something that transcends the page, the digital screen, whatever you want to call it these days, on how you write. And leaps out at you. And you make a connection with that. The connection of... This is telling me something... That's relevant to me in my life right now. That's really what you need to be doing... With writing in general. So... When I'm telling that person out there... That's writing a story about their family... In an old car and an old road... Country this and blah blah that... That in itself isn't bad writing it's the fact that you're not going anywhere unique and interesting with it you're not doing anything to get that person's attention so it doesn't stay with them it doesn't connect it doesn't do anything go back to that put something in that put an interesting twist in that that makes it special because that's all you have to do no one says you need to be abandoning all these things i'm saying to you because you know it's it's not good enough for what i like it to be in the aerial chart All you have to do is revisit it. We all know that rewriting is really the key to, to most of the best writing. So just rewrite that. That's all you got to do. Come up with something else inside that framework. Because I don't think the framework is, is wrong. I don't even think it's bad. I just think it's been overused. So come on and get something fresh out of there, all right? All right, final word. All right, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about some of these issues is not just because of you know my my pride in uh, aerial chart and, and a lot of the good work that we have been doing and, and how it does support many artists and everything else and definitely keeps me uh you know filled with with joy and, and you know 
excitement that writing and, and, and art continues on into the year 2022 now. And you know, you'll hear our new theme on this show as well for the for the um the opening introduction of the show for twenty twenty two. But I like the fact that we can help people connect to themselves so they can put together work that can connect to other people. When that gets done, you know, it's more powerful than social media and it's more powerful than a church sermon. It's more powerful than somebody with a bullhorn on the street corner. Because it it says the things that need to be said that are not being said on social media. Which can also be a crass and cruel tool that doesn't really have a, a lot of useful stuff. You know? A lot of cowardly people saying stupid things that they would never say in, in, in real life if they were next to you. So I have no respect for that sort of stuff. It can say the things that people need to hear because they're not hearing that from books that are just tailored to give them the next cliche. Or from newspaper articles in a dying vehicle of the newspaper. Or uh, a nearly worthless media that seems to only have one direction and one voice. And you listen to five networks and they all sound the same. So which means that they're not saying what needs to be said. You got That's just duplicated five times. Not real helpful. I don't know if that's Brave New World. And I certainly don't know if that's 1984. But uh, I definitely like to think that it's going in that direction at least. Which is not good. So the writing. It's critically important. Right now, we're on the verge of, of dictatorial Russia taking over Ukraine, wanting to do that, wanting to send their military and take over, regardless of what the prices they're going to pay and how it's going to change the world and how the goals that they're looking for, they're not ever going to happen now if they do this. So it's just a stupid move militarily, politically, and economically. It doesn't make any sense at all, other than if you're just trying to maybe prop up a little bit of your image in, in Mother Russia because they all hate you. Or if you're just trying to make some of those breakaway republics that you stole, you know, eight years ago, or if you're just trying to make them in, into real countries as your price of withdrawing, which is probably what he's trying to do anyway, and he's willing to take the risk. It's amazing. But think about all of that, and think about the Ukrainian who's not really putting together an armed force or, 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 or a stick or a knife or a gun towards the Russian, but wants to write about how they don't like this oppression, how they don't like being occupied by a force that shouldn't be there, how Ukrainian rights matter, how Ukrainian culture is important, how they shouldn't be invaded. Imagine them taking those people and killing them. Hmm? Imagine a Ukraine that's going to spend just as much time trying to kill the, the Ukrainian rubble as they're trying to kill the Ukrainian poet. Just imagine that. That's the power of writing. It says what needs to be said that makes a connection in people. We've seen it all over the world. I don't know if anyone's been noticing the news. Okay, but this year alone, and we're only in the first month of 2022, already three Mexican journalists doing stories investigating the cartels have been murdered. Three of them. 
Those are writers. Don't get me wrong. It's because they're journalists. They're still writers. God knows they're a lot more braver and edgier than anything we have here in America. Who, I think, literally pick up their stories from the campaign headquarters of their favorite people. Forget about all that objectivity in journalism. Where these people out there literally risking and losing their lives for writing things that's important to the Mexican public. To try to expose the things that's going on. And and they'll be they're being killed faster than cops and mayors and governors over there. Because the criminals are afraid. The dictators they're afraid. Those that want to reign tyranny over you, they're afraid of the written word and what it can do to people. It makes them more frightened than the knife or the bullet. Because when you're a wielder of a knife or a bullet, there's not an eternal amount of knives and bullets you're going to have. You're going to run out of that equipment once uh, sooner or later. And you're going to run out of opportunities sooner or later. Those things can be controlled. It's not the same thing as a writer. Right wherever they're going to continue to write. They're not going to run out of words. They're not going to run out of the truth. They're not going to run out of energy. Unless you kill them. I think in the last five years alone, there's been like over 20 that have been murdered. Assassinated, whatever you want to call it. Gunned down. You know, they have a different word for them all. And you know something? Everybody in Mexico knows what's going on including all the other journalists. And guess what they're still doing? They're still writing. They're not all stopping to write what's important. They're still doing it because it's that necessary because eventually they're going to win as long as they continue what they're doing. All right, folks, that's my final word there, Journal of Art, Aerial Chart, Season 4, Episode 229. Uh, don't miss our exciting interview with... Uh, Eva Wong, she is a, a Singaporean writer uh, from England, now back in England, wrote a number of books. Uh, I had the real honor and pleasure a few years ago to read one of her children's books that was written in English for my children when they were young enough to enjoy that sort of thing. Now all they do is play video games and, you know, go out there and play tennis and scream a little bit. Not that they don't like books or anything, it's just not the same thing. But uh, it was a wonderful experience to have something like that sent to me and, and be able to read to them something that was completely out of their world experience, but it made sense to them. Because guess what? You could write a book, like she did, about an Asian child who has autism. And you could read it to kids who are not Asian, who don't have autism, and they can understand what's going on and, and get something important from that. Have fun and have some value you know, I was I was just amazed that they took to it. And I was happy. I wanted to give it a chance to do something, and I did. And I was very happy with that. So we're going to have her on board for a, a good good length of an interview. And, of course, we'll discuss about a new book that's coming out as well. It's going to be a wonderful, exciting uh, interview directly from, from London here. All right, folks. Until our next episode, God bless and good night. It's Mark Anthony Rossi. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing. 
www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>